a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson. It's great to be with you today. And we're very pleased to be joined by Congressman John Curtis today, who is uh, out and about the district during the it is not August recess, everyone. It is <laughs> it is in state work period. And I know the Thank congressman you. is working. <laughs> we hate that term recess because it implies we're off plan. Yeah, exactly. So I know you're crisscrossing the state and have been into some of the uh, far uh, nooks and crannies of the state. Uh, give us exactly. a quick update on that before we get into some of the politics of the day. Well, I, I take him, my district takes in the, the southeast part of the state, which is just an amazing uh, part of our state. We we have uh, Carbon County, Grand County, Emory County, San Juan County, some of the most beautiful scenery, I think, in the world and, and character, land characteristics and recreation is down here. And I, I have the pleasure of representing them. And I was telling you just a little bit earlier, I've been down in what's called Labyrinth Canyon today. Uh, because we're uh, we've got legislation that we're considering down in that area, and seeing that firsthand just makes all the difference in the world. Uh, fantastic. Well, uh, we know on a, on another front, uh, some statements were put out uh, by the White House, uh, <laughs> from National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on the need for reliable, stable, global energy markets, including encouraging OPEC to produce more oil. And uh, I know you have a thought or two on that. <laughs> well, well, Boyd, can you imagine? Uh, and and I'm, it's one thing for me to have a thought or two, but imagine being one of those workers that was displaced because we, we uh, shut down Keystone and then having the very same president who shut you down encourage, in some cases, our enemies to increase their oil production uh, so that we can drive our, you know, we, we, we can have the oil here in the United States and have lower prices. It, it just is very hypocritical. Yeah, we've been uh, reporting and digging in a little bit on this and uh, even looking at places like California that has really shut down so much of their uh, production there in favor of some going after some of these other types of things. But they they talked about the number of jobs that have been lost, the economy that's been impacted. And then we have this very unreliable, unstable source of oil that we're importing uh, that's always going to be at uh, greater cost to the consumer. And produced with much higher carbon uh, than what we do here in the United States. Yeah. And, you know, that Keystone Pipeline was, was um, the, the transportation was 100% carbon-free. They had just they'd done remarkable things to decrease the amount of greenhouse gas emissions from that pipeline. And that's not happening overseas where we're, where we're asking them to increase their oil production. Yeah, I, I think that's such an important point is that if 
so often this becomes a, an either or or one of those fake fights. It's, it's to me, this right. is really one of those and questions that we can do this, this and this. And we can do it cleaner. We can do it better. We can do it more efficient. And uh, we can do it at a cost that actually benefits the American people. And and provide U.S. jobs instead of, you know, exporting those jobs overseas. And like I say, in some cases to our enemies. Yeah, and and at what point does this really become a uh, a national security risk? I think it, I I had to scratch my head a little bit looking at it that it was a statement from the national security advisor. <laughs> but, but does this make is this make sense from a national security standpoint to rely on you know, OPEC? I, I suspect a lot of your listeners listeners will remember, but many don't. When in, you know in the seventies that we were we were at a, it was a security crisis that we didn't have enough fuel to fuel our nation and we were dependent on oil from our enemies. And we made a conscious decision as a country that that was not acceptable. And uh, somehow that seems forgotten. Yeah. One of the things that you have mentioned, Congressman, is that, uh, you know, at this time when we're encouraging more oil from Saudi Arabia, the president has also banned uh, federal land leasing that actually impacts us right here in the state of Utah. It it does. And this is where I'm out and about, you know, in that area uh, down here the last few days. And, um, you know, it's 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 an area that will will survive, but certainly has been hurt by this ban and an area with higher unemployment and some of the things that come with that. And in here again, the irony and the hypocrisy of saying, well, we're going to shut you down, but we're going to encourage our foreign um, competitors to increase their production so we can use that. It just—I mean, how do you make any uh, logic out of that argument? Yeah. And that—and <clears throat> that leads us to uh, another interesting part of this program, and that is that part of the pay-fors in the infrastructure bills is the selling off of some of our strategic oil reserve. Uh, yeah. That I'm having a hard time connecting that dot. <laughs> it it just—I've used hypocrisy too many times in this interview, but it just—that's what it is, right? And it's just like. How do you justify that um, and, and, and kill and eliminate U.S. jobs? And, um, and, and it just is like, sure, let's sit down and have a realistic conversation about energy use in this country. Let's have a good conversation about a transition to a cleaner energy. Everybody's game for that. But this isn't the path to do that. Mm, yeah, that's absolutely right. If you just join us, we've got Representative John Curtis uh, joining us on the line uh, from the far-flung corners of the great state of Utah during in-state <laughs> work period. And uh, before I let you go, Congressman, uh, obviously we have been talking a lot about transportation. The bill, of course, uh, two bills, the $1.2 trillion and then, of course, the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Uh, both that are kind of wing, uh, one has wound its way through the Senate and is on its way to the House. Uh, the other reconciliation bill will take a couple of weeks probably to actually get put into real words and not just ideas. Uh, how do you see that playing out as you get back into session in the next couple of weeks and take that up? Well, it's um, it's a, it's a mess. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has said she's not even going to let us vote on what the Senate just passed until September. And at the same time, she's going to force a vote on the $3.5 trillion legislation. And um, the, it, 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 it's I, – I don't – there's no understanding uh, what's being – the cards that are being played there. And what's coming out of it is this nearly $5 trillion of, of what I would <laughs> – the drunken spending, right? It's like this, this – like this – Spend, spend, spend without questions, and oh, you're getting some of it, so you should be happy. 
right? Like all, the, all everybody just be happy because we're giving you plenty of money is kind of the logic. Yeah. And, and so how do we balance that? I think everyone agrees that there are real needs in terms of transportation and, and infrastructure uh, and all of that. And at the same time, uh, you know, the, the five trillion that you mentioned, and then if you throw on another one point nine trillion uh, for uh, pandemic relief and then you add on the additional trillion that we seem to be overspending every year, uh, that gets to about eight trillion by by my really bad math, uh, which I, I think we calculated was about 60,000 for uh, for every household in America. Yeah, and then add on to that the interest. So we're not paying that 60,000 uh, off. Every man, young woman, and child has incurred sixty thousand, mm. and we're incurring the interest accumulated with that. And uh, you, you know, even for like, well, what do we do about that? And this is where I hold up uh, Utah to say, look, look how Utah does this. We our infrastructure, sure, we need improvements, but we're doing pretty darn good, and we pay for it um, wisely and sensibly. We incur reasonable amounts of debt. Uh, we we spend the money that we have. We put rainy day funds in place. And I just wish the country could get a dose of what we do here in Utah. Yeah, well, we'll continue to raise that voice and shine a light on uh, the things that are going well here and the things that need to be done. Uh, Congressman John Curtis, thanks uh, for joining us uh, from wherever you are in the state of Utah today. <laughs> Appreciate your efforts, and uh, we look forward to having you back real soon. Thanks, Boyd. Have a good day. So much in there. I got a text from a senator, not from the state of Utah, in the middle of the night as they were voting last week with the simple phrase... This is no way to run a republic. We're going to dig deep into that uh, with Greg Wiener from AEI coming up next. Don't miss it. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.